Thanks, friends. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, my name's Andy. Uh, been around uh, with the Stone for a while, um, and uh, I'm on the For the Nations team. Uh, it's uh, our role. I, I'm a part of a team of people, and we uh, recruit and train people to go overseas to the nations, to those who don't have any access to the gospel. Um, but that's not really what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, one fun fact is that uh, our family, actually, we still were working uh, with the stone, just doing everything remote. Our remote was just a little further because um, uh, we were in Lebanon for the last six months. And we got back a little over a month ago. And uh, that was a real treat. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But if you're like, so do you live in Austin or do you live in Lebanon or where do you live? Um, uh, the answer is we live here, um, but we got to do this stint over in Lebanon and kind of ride out the last little bit of COVID, hopefully, right? Amen. Anybody? Amen. You guys, are you guys ready to be done with COVID? Everybody's like, duh. Okay. So uh, today you can turn in your Bible to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is this little tiny book in the back of the Old Testament. Uh, it's one of these little minor prophets. And uh, Habakkuk is this dialogue between God and the prophet Habakkuk. Okay, and you can figure out what his nicknames were later, right? There's lots of fun ones, um, but, but there's this dialogue between God and Habakkuk, and this happened about 600 years before Jesus comes on the scene, and at this time, about half the people of Israel are in exile outside of the land of Israel, and in the next 20 years, all the rest of the people of Israel are going to be outside of the country of Israel, and so it's a mess right now in Habakkuk's day. Everything is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. Uh, a couple summers ago, actually, there's a friend of ours named John O. Uh, he's from Atlanta. He came and gave an incredible message. If you like to go back and just hear more about the book of Habakkuk, he did this awesome sermon on Habakkuk 1. You can look up Speak Up, Speak Up by John O, and uh, you'll, you'll find it there, and, um, and, and you'll be greatly encouraged, because the message of Habakkuk is that God is calling us to put all of our hope in him when everything around us feels like it's falling apart. Does that sound familiar? When everything else is like our water parts are falling apart, the, the, the toilet paper situation is falling apart, right? And, and, and it's like, dude, I've heard the toilet paper joke so many times, it's not even funny anymore. Can we, can we go back and forth like this? Is this okay? Do you guys normally do this? I haven't been here for a year and a half, so I don't know what's acceptable or not. Um, uh, so here's the bottom line, okay? If you like to take notes, here's the bottom line of today, okay? God, I think this is what he wants to speak to us. He wants us to accept the losses of the last 18 months and receive the joy that is ours in Jesus. He wants us to accept the losses of the last 18 months and receive the joy that is ours in Jesus. So let's go ahead and read Habakkuk 3, verses 17 through 19. It says, though the fig tree sh should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Now, for some of you, you're like, man, see, this is why I don't read the Old Testament, 
right? Because all this agricultural language, unless you're from College Station, you don't know what the heck is going on, right? We can make fun of our friends that we, you know, um, uh, love and uh, love. And, um, and, and so if you don't understand agriculture, you're like, what is happening in verse? I don't know anything about olive crops and fields and pens and stalls. Like I just didn't grow up in, in West Texas. And so that's okay. Uh, if you're from West Texas, you're very welcome here. Um, but most of us don't know what that means. Basically, verse 17 describes the last 18 months of our lives. It describes incredible loss when everything's going which way and that way. You don't know which way is up. And I'm not just talking about the pandemic. Amen? Man, you look at the last 18 months of, of life from, from, from the po- po- political scene to intense discrimination to, uh, to drive-by weddings, right, to birthday parties you had by yourself. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like all of these things are, are verse 17. And so in order for us to really enter in, I think, I think one of the first things we have to do though is just realize it's, because sometimes when you're in loss, you just get more and more inwardly focused, Right? And you just look at my problems, and that's easy to do when, when you don't have any electricity, right? But to remember that the whole world has actually gone through incredible loss in the, 18, in the last 18 months. Man, I think about Lebanon. In the last 18 months, they've had, um, they, they've had COVID as well. They had a revolution. They overthrew their government and then didn't know how to replace it. They had this explosion go off last August that devastated their port and they import everything. There's food and fuel shortages everywhere. And then to top it all off, their economy continues to go down the toilet and their their money has lost 90% of its value. 90%. And so I'm not trying to compare losses here. Loss is loss. But for us to realize loss is happening everywhere, and I think the first thing that God wants us to do is accept it. And by accept it, I mean to acknowledge it, to mourn it, to process it, to talk it out. See, sometimes, especially in America, we just wanna get away from loss. We wanna leave it as fast as possible, right? But I don't think that's what God wants us to do. I think that's why what Habakkuk is showing us in verse 17. So here's what we're going to do. We don't usually do this, but if you'll just go ahead and take out your phone and open the notes section, I want you to write your own verse 17 and think about what are the things that you have lost in the last 18 months. I'll give you an example. I'll give you my example, okay? It's going to be up here. And I want you to write, start each loss with the word though. So here's my verse 17. Don't worry, we're not gonna like put yours on the screen or anything, okay? But just be honest. Think about what you've lost in the last 18 months. Though my wife and I did not go on our anniversary trip, though Lebanon is literally falling apart as a country, though many of our goers had to come back to the States, though we, did not have, though we do not have the same church staff as 18 months ago, Though minorities around the world continue to face racism, though Todd, Brad, Peter, and I did not get to go to Indonesia, though I did not get to coach my son's flag football team. So you can see some of these are very personal and some of these are on a, on a larger scale, but I'm just gonna give you a few minutes. We're gonna play some, uh, a little bit of music and you can just think about what you have lost. Just encourage you to write it down. Next few minutes, go ahead.
Thanks for being honest. Um, I hope that some of you are just like halfway through and sorry to interrupt. Um, but man, I would encourage you to take time after this and do what Habakkuk did and write out the rest of your list. Spend time thinking about and telling God what you feel like you've lost. It's not wrong to accept loss. It's not wrong to acknowledge it. It's not wrong to just sit in it for a while. So that's the first one I'd encourage you. The second one I would encourage you is to grab somebody and tell them. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, weep with those who weep. And a lot of times we don't do this very well. Maybe the closest thing we get is posting it on some form of social media, and that's okay. But what, what, what God wants us to do is look somebody else in the eye and say, man, this is what I feel like I've lost over the last 18 months. And, and spend time and ask questions and then do the same thing for somebody else. Friends, people want to talk about this stuff. They're desperate to talk about this stuff. If you're wondering, man, I wonder how I could start a, a significant conversation with the people that I go to class with or work with or live by. This is the ticket, friends. The last 18, it's like God's given us this huge open door. You go anywhere in the world, think about it. And ask, how have you dealt with the last 18 months? And everybody in the world is going to be able to share some kind of loss. Friends, we, we, people, people are ready to talk if we'll just ask them, if we'll just make some time. I think one of the things that we've realized, we've been back for five weeks, is the pace of America is just crazy. And we're so guilty, just like y'all, of living in it. And we don't do a good job of slowing down enough to have conversations and saying, I don't have to go anywhere in an hour. I have as much time as you want. Friends, when we got to do this in, in Lebanon, uh, our kids made friends with this gal, and this gal wanted to introduce us to her mom and grandpa, and uh, her mom was recently divorced. They live with the grandpa, Grandpa Tony, and we just went over there, and we thought we were just going to be there for about an hour and a half, and we were there for like four plus hours, but it was great. Okay, and this is how they roll over there, so it's just a little bit more acceptable. But we just started, you know, Grandpa Tony's asking us questions about, like, why are we here? And we said, we're here to help the Lebanese people and help the Syrians. He's like, no, not the Syrians. And we said, what's wrong with the Syrians? He said, during the war, they took me from my family and put me in prison for 11 years. 11 years, the first six months of those 11 years, I was tortured very intensely. Fingernails, toenails, pulled out, electricity, all the things, things I can't describe to you. So we began to just enter into Tony's loss and, and ask him about what, how, did he, how did he stay strong? How did he stay alive? What was it like there? How does it affect him today? Does he sleep? And he doesn't. He doesn't sleep well. He has major PTSD. And we said, Tony, could we just pray for you? In Jesus' name, Tony doesn't follow Jesus and he, and he said, yeah, so we prayed that, that, that God would lift this anger from him, that he wouldn't carry it any longer. And we hugged, and there's a picture of Grandpa Tony with our family. Eating, we were eating homemade French fries and, and around the little fire and, and cherries and this nasty black licorice drink that they love in Lebanon. And, and, and um, the next morning, uh, his daughter texted my wife and just said, hey, um, my dad wanted you to know that last night when you prayed, he felt more peace in his life than he said he ever has. And he slept all the way through the night. And he can't remember the last time he did that. Friends, people around us, they want to talk about the loss, amen? 
They wanna talk about it. So you need to talk about your own and then you need to invite people to talk about uh, theirs. Here's the thing though with loss. As I say, accept the loss, here's what you shouldn't do. See, accepting the loss is different than being defined by it than being defined by it. This is what Habakkuk is trying to say when he communicated and he started each, uh, when he started verse 17 with a though. And then he starts verse 18 like this with yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I I will take joy in the God of my salvation. See, there was another side to, he he owned the loss, he sat in it, he mourned, and, and then there was a though and it moved him past it. And so the question is, how, that we want to ask this morning is, how do we do that? Per the last 18 months of our lives, how do we live in that kind of joy, this Habakkuk kind of joy when everything around us seems like it's falling apart? How do we get that joy and how do we live in it continually? And the short answer is by receiving it, by receiving it. Joy in God, friends. And when I say joy, by the way, don't think about like laughing happiness, but rather this deep sense of, of the biggest treasure that you have, which is unstealable and undestroyable. Joy in God enables you to put a though in front of your verse 17. And so the question is, how do you get it? It's not complicated, friends. You look at verse 18, it says, rejoice in the Lord, find joy in the, in the God of all my salvation. You get in God. I know that's not grammatically cor- correct, but you get in God. You have relationship with God. And so the question is, are you in God this morning? And how do you know? Are you in God? Not just do you have a Bible or did you show up to a service today? But are you actually, do you have relationship with God? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? If that's true, then the Bible says that you are saved, that you are in God. But please don't think that it's your actions, that you have worked your way into relationship with God, that you can be good enough. If that's what you think, friends, you're, you're, you're believing something different than the Bible. And so, and so you start this relationship by simply receiving Jesus into your life. Amen? You don't work for it. You guys can say amen. I know it's a little bit somber and you just write down all these things you lost, but we can laugh and we can go back and forth a little bit. Okay, thank you. Um, I hear that chuckle. And, um, and, uh, and so, and so you, you, you start this relationship. And a lot of times, man, if you think back on when you started your relationship with Jesus, man, that, that's a joyful time. But for some of you, you've been following Jesus now for three, five, 10, 15, 20 years. And you're like, man, how do I still live in joy? How do I live in joy during the next COVID season? How do I live in joy when the next injustice happens? How do I live in joy when I thought I would be married five years ago? How do I live in joy when I don't have the job that I thought I did, would? How do I live in joy when my kid has learning disabilities? What does it look like to live in external surrender and internal surrender? External surrender is the first two verses in John 15, where it calls the father the vine dresser. Jesus again says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's another sermon for another day. But, but this is the part I want us to focus on. That if we are in him, he's talking about us here, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or cuts 
that it may bear more fruit. See, the purpose of the vine dresser is to draw us into the vine, that we would be more connected to the vine. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? In order to give us more, he cuts or takes away. But where does the branch naturally turn when it's cut? It doesn't turn to its fruit. It doesn't turn to itself. When the branch is cut, when things are taken away, what it does is it connects more deeply to the vine. This is what happens when we live in verse 17, when we live in the COVID seasons. See, the losses or cuts in our lives have great purpose, friends. It's not happening whimsically. Just like they do, the, the cuts in our lives have great purpose, just like they do in surgery. How many of you guys have had surgery? There you go, you can raise those hands. How did you feel before surgery? Out of control, confused, afraid, helpless? Does that not often describe the cuts in our own lives? And yet here's the truth. The external surrender is accepting that God is the great divine heart surgeon who cuts with exact precision to bring deeper joy into our lives. That's not always easy to hear when we think about our losses, to think that there was a vine dresser that was carefully orchestrating all that, and yet that's what's true. Here's some of our friends that have lived in Southeast Asia for the last six, seven years. In the spring, they found out that the wife has brain cancer. And this is how they described it. What does it mean to, 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 to think about loss and joy together? They said, as we, start, as we started to see in scripture, as we studied union and suffering or loss, that it's not just accepting the situations of suffering and seeing God in it, but that suffering is inexorably or unescapably, inescapably tied to knowing Christ. You cannot increase your experience of union with Christ and sanctification without suffering. Or to say it the other, another way, your experience of union greatly increases when you endure suffering. Friends, when we, when we, view, right, when we view loss rightly, we see that God uses loss to draw us close to his son, Jesus. And that's what produces more joy. That's what produces more joy. This is, this is the, listen to what happened as the husband unpacks um, what, what, as they heard for the first time that his wife had brain cancer. He said, he said this, he said, we heard there were a grade three cells and it felt like the bottom fell out. Gut punch, desperation. And that night, Jen was on the phone and I just turned on some worship music and probably had the most intent, intense and intimate worship time, times of worship and abiding with Jesus that I've ever, that I've had this whole time. And there's this sense when you're sitting in the intensity of his love that you start to realize that even if all the worst possible things could happen to you, you are secure because you have Jesus. Even if Jen, that's his wife, even if Jen passes, even if our ministry gets crushed, even if my own personal health is messed up, whatever your greatest fear, in those moments when you're deeply abiding, just the presence of Jesus is your joy. Not only is it enough, but it is so rich and intense that you probably truly, that you, that you truly feel like you don't need anything else. 
Christians, that's what we want. Amen? That we feel like we don't need anything else, not lesser joys. We just need his joy. And so that's when, when we think about, that's what Jesus wants to give us. In John 15, 11, that's what he says, that he wants to give us. He says these things, and he's talking about abiding between him and us, this connection to us. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in you, and your joy may be full. This is the internal surrender and receiving that can happen, Right? This is, this is what he wants to give us. I mean, I mean, what joy do we have in life that's going to be better than Jesus' joy? Right? What, what thing in our life even comes close? Even the best things in our life don't compare with his joy. And so we see this equation that, that the, 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 the rejoicing that we do in the Lord equals Jesus' joy being in us equals complete joy. Complete joy. We have this union with Jesus. It's ours. We're united to him. Like, like Tyler mentioned a few weeks ago, that's why weddings are so beautiful because they represent our relationship with Jesus. And yet the question is, how often do we live in the joy that's ours? How often do we live in it? Here, here's an illustration to, to, to maybe drive it home, right? Jamie and I, my wife and I have been married for 19 years. And so whatever is hers is mine. Whatever is mine is hers. Everything we have, right, is ours. Our kids, our money, our home. But what if Jamie started showing up to our house and knocking on the front door and, 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 and before she came in, I'd be like, love, what, what, what are you doing? What the heck? Why are you knocking on the door? Why, why aren't you just coming into what's already yours? Everything I have is yours. From the, from the day you said yes, it's all yours. It's ours. It would be so strange. And yet sometimes this is how we treat joy. Like we have to go somewhere else or we have to beg God for what is already ours. God is calling us today to live in union. And if it's, so it, because it's possible to live in this receiving posture, living in union and receiving what's already ours. Friends, here's, here's one last thought and then we'll do verse 19 and we'll land the plane. But union is not just amazing in the deepest valleys of life. Living in joy, living in the joy of Jesus can be daily. And God daily gives us opportunities to depend on his son, right? Daily, daily opportunities to receive this joy, to surrender. You think about when your roommate interrupts your time with God by, by kind of obliviously walking into the living room and turning on the TV, right? And you're trying, and it's like, what are you, what are you doing, right? Or your spouse plans something that night and doesn't tell you about it, an opportunity, right? When your roommate doesn't take out the trash, there's an opportunity. When you're in standstill traffic on Mopac in the express lane, there's an opportunity, right? That comes often. When your kids are fighting over the toy that no one has played with in months, there's an opportunity. When your boss takes all the credit at work, there's an opportunity, all the, takes all the credit for the work that you did, there's an opportunity. And so it might feel overwhelming like, Andy, are you saying that this is what I have to do every day? Yes. Yes, it's yours if you'll receive it. And so it's like, I, but I don't think I can do that. And this is where it comes back to God. And he says, look at verse 19. He says, God, the Lord is my strength. You're right, you can't do it. 
So admitting that is the first step and saying, God, I need your strength if I'm gonna enter into this every day. If I'm gonna receive your joy, you have to help me get there. And so what does that look like practically? What does that look like practically? It looks like this. First, realize what your triggers are. When you're not abiding, when you're not connected, we all have triggers, right? And this could be, look like worry or anxiety or, or anger or frustration or I, I like to try to take control. When something's happening that I don't want, I try to take control. And so you need to realize what your triggers are. They're basically the opposites of the fruit, fruits of the spirit. And then you need to tell other people what those triggers are. And so my wife and Brad and Peter, and there's several people around me that know what my triggers are so that they can be like, hey, bro, you're not, you're, you're, <laughs> I think you're operating out of something else. We need to do this with other people, friends. And when we realize that we're operating in worry or frustration or trying to take control, then all we have to do is come quickly to God and say, God, would you help me surrender right now this situation? Would you help me to surrender this? I don't want to take control. I realize you're in control. You want me to have your joy right now. I want to receive it. It's that simple. You don't have to get down on your knees. You don't have to even say it out loud, but that's what needs to happen in our hearts. And when we do that, when we simply say that, that, that small prayer, God will give us the joy that is already ours in Jesus. Here's, here's my last encouragement, friends. Here's my last encouragement. The process of Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, and 19 is going to happen again and again and again in our lives. It's not like we go through this once and then we're done. The, the, the COVIDs of life will come again and they'll be overwhelmed, Lord willing, by God's presence in us. And then God's presence will be overwhelmed by other new COVIDs, right? Both the big ones and the personal ones. And this cycle will go on and God is in this cycle drawing us closer and closer to ourselves, each time helping us enjoy more of who he is. So don't be discouraged. When, it, when it's down here and you're like, man, I don't feel like I'm surrendering. I'm in worry. Does that mean I'm far off from God? No, he's right here with you. He's never gonna leave you until the day that he takes us home to enjoy all of his glory face to face. Let's pray together. God, we, um, we need you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for even the losses that have happened over the last year and a half. You were the one that orchestrated them carefully. We don't understand all the whys behind all the things that happened, but we know, God, that you have a plan, and that plan is to help us enjoy more of you. And so, God, help us this morning. Help us today. To, to receive what is ours. God, you, you want to give us all the things that are true of Jesus, all the things that are true of the vine are ours in him if we'll just receive them. God, help us not to turn to other things. Help us to look to you, to yield, to be with you, and to receive your joy. God, you want that deep sense of of you want that deep sense to be ours, of knowing you, to, knowing that you're better than anything. So would you come and do it, God?
Would we live in this reality? Thank you that you never leave us. Thank you that everything that's true of you can be true of us if we'll just receive it. We love you. And the church agreed and said, amen.